Welcome to this podcast. I'm John Devine, partner and head of the sports and charities teams at Muckle. I'm delighted to say I'm joined today by Simon Taylor, head of foundation at Chelsea Football Club Foundation, which is a registered charity I've had the honour of being involved with as a trustee. Right. Simon, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well. Would you first like to explain your role at the charity and the work carried on by the foundation generally? Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be head of the Chelsea Foundation. So um, we set up the foundation in 2010 to sort of bring together what used to be called football in the community, along with um, some work that we're doing in and around schools as part of an education team, which at that time was a completely separate bit of the club, um, as well as the sort of you know, the more CSR business related uh, opportunities that was actually taking place day in, day out around the football clubs, such as equality, you know, the environmentalism um, and, and those wider opportunities. So we, we set up the charity to try and bring everything under one umbrella and try and give it some direction of travel. Sure. And just for a bit of context for, for listeners as well in the sports sector, we often refer to charities like the foundation as club community organisations, uh, CCOs as they're known, since they're affiliated to and supported by the professional club, but they operate independently, uh, raising their own funds. And in terms of my involvement with it, I, what I've, I've seen the, the charity um, be able to bring together is, is the combination, as Simon said, of football in the community education departments and the work involving international and your anti-discrimination projects. Um, it covers a range of services like football participation, um, social, social deprivation, crime reduction, and, and a lot of other things. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that work sort of goes on day in, day out, pretty much around the country. I mean, every club has got uh, some form of, of a community programme. I think where Chelsea is slightly different is the range and the breadth of the work that we do, as well as the geographical spread. So. Yeah, we go now from Kent all the way to Cornwall, uh, taking most of the south of England. Uh, plus, as you said, we've got quite a, a large international department, which has permanent uh, programmes in Singapore, Hong Kong and Thailand, as well as a partnership in, in, in the US as well. So um, as well as supporting sponsors um, throughout the globe with many of their campaigns as well. So I think we are very similar to a lot of other football clubs but different in so much as the amount of work that, that goes on day in, day out in those areas that, that you were saying, particularly around education, social inclusion and, and equality. So, so with that, brain, that range, I guess, of, of, of projects, um, both at home and, and internationally, I imagine a lot of the physical hands-on initiatives that the, a club community organisation gets involved in would normally run are very much public-facing. So... I imagine these have been impacted significantly by COVID-19 and in, in that respect, how has it affected the work of, as a charity? How have you been able to continue? Well, by being very, very quick to adapt. Um, you know, the, the first week of, of lockdown was spent cancelling those face-to-face programmes that you were saying. Um, you know, we've got 500 programmes pretty much taking place week in, uh, week out. So. The first week was, was spent trying to cancel them. The second week, um, obviously, because COVID didn't come out of the blue, so we had an idea of where we wanted to go. So you know, we were very quick off the mark to start doing online programs, uh, online coaching programs, online exercise programs, 
linking into groups and individuals as well. Um, and then over Easter holidays, we were actually uh, piloted a, an online soccer school. So our coaches, again, were all locked down as well. So they were in their back gardens devising a number of, uh, of, of skills and of drills and you know, little programs that the kids could actually replicate you know, in their gardens or actually in their living rooms as well on many occasions. So um, yeah, the education um, team spent a very long time putting their programs online, um, getting into schools through um, Google Classrooms. Um, you know, not all schools were closed. A lot of the, the key workers' kids were still at school, you know, and what we also tried to do was support the teachers who were doing the online lessons for kids at home uh, through, again, providing workbooks, uh, online workbooks, um, as well as sort of direct, um, not quite face-to-face -face teaching, but direct teaching using our education staff as well. Fantastic. As we know, the, the, the foundation is linked to the club, uh, which I, I know supports um, the, uh, the foundation in a number of ways, both financially and in, and in kind. Um, how have you collaborated with the club during uh, the pandemic and during this time? Well, I think that time or this time, actually, more than ever, has, has shown how strong the relationship is between the foundation and the club. Um, you know, the club has a hotel attached to it. That was made uh, available for, for NHS workers uh, to use. We're in, in Chelsea and Westminster, full of Hammersmith and Fulham, there are a number of hospitals. So we made our hotel available uh, for all key workers, NHS workers. Um, we also provided, through our catering partner, um, free meals for pensioner groups as well as hospital staff. So I think in, in all, uh, one. 120,000 meals were provided to NHS staff and vulnerable groups. Um, and then obviously the, the, the club and the foundation collaborated on a partnership with, with Refuge, um, whereby any refunds uh, for the season tickets, uh, fans could donate those refunds um, to Refuge, um, uh, which was matched by the club and supported by yeah, everyone from, from the owner down. Um, and even uh, the women's team donated their winnings from the WSL, which in, in all raised about half a million pounds to try and tackle uh, domestic abuse. Unfortunately, um, incidences of, of um, domestic abuse go up during lockdown. Um, it's, a, it's a terrible situation. So the club foundation and you know, with support of our fans, I think everyone was determined to be able to do something about that and, and try and tackle it head on. Absolutely. Uh, so it's great to hear. Um, in relation to your, your fundraising activity, uh, you also, in addition to that, um, have, I think, a, a majority of funds being raised from charitable activities. Um, have you had to change your approach to fundraising um, th this year as a, re as a result of the pandemic? I think in terms of direct fundraising, we're in a very fortunate position where we don't rely too much on donations coming in from, from individuals or groups. Where we, where we did find, um, I, I want to say the word difficulties, but fortunately a great amount of flexibility was provided by the funding partners that are coming in. So you know, primarily the Premier League, uh, local governments. Um, and there was, I think there was an understanding throughout most funded programs that things were either going to be suspended or 
have to change to an online delivery. And I think most funding partners were were very open to to new and quite innovative ways of working, and and we were in a lucky position to be able to reap the benefits of that. Excellent. And um, I, I think, in, in a way, a sense, I suspect uh, most, if not all, um, charities, including the foundation, will have felt the you know, the financial impact of uh, the the pandemic. So. Looking back, what, what practical tips um, do you think you have in mind or are able to, to offer from your experience that might work for other charities? I mean, what worked well for you and how was this received by, by the community? I think what worked well for us was having a little bit of forward planning and an awful lot of innovation in, in the range of programmes that we could adapt. Um, we have multiple sources of funding, so, you know, we don't rely heavily on particularly the club or the, the Premier League or different funding organisations. We have quite a wide range of, of, of income streams and funding streams coming in. And I think that that was important in, in trying to get through what is a, a, you know, a hugely difficult time for, for most organisations, but especially charities that rely on, on fundraising. Um, I think we were, we were fortunate enough to have um, some reserves that we could uh, utilize uh, which is, is what reserves uh, are generally there for to, to to help the charity through difficult times such as this and I think you know the support of, of the club was um, was hugely important to us uh, during that time as well so um, like most football organizations we didn't rely on the government furlough scheme so we continued to pay um, all our staff uh, including sessional staff um, their wages and their salaries, uh, which was you know, a substantial financial impact on the charity. Um, but you know, we 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 hopefully will get through this program, you know, with substantially less reserves than when we went in. But hopefully, you know, we've, as a charity should, we've actually tried to make a difference in what is a difficult time, which is exactly why we're here to try and help people help vulnerable groups and make the most of um what is a, you know, a really really tricky time yeah, again not just in the charitable sector but but throughout the country um i think one of the things that i was particularly welcoming was the way that um fans and you know the general members of public around the country we're, we're, we're focusing on vulnerable groups, we're focusing on their neighbours, um, and as well as raising money for, for the NHS, which I think became part of most charities' key strategy. You know, you, you need to be able to adapt and, you know, look at, you know, the wider good. And I think that's something that, I think was something that was really important and something that really came to the fore in the, in the last eight, nine months. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was great to see the players together initiative as well. You know, with the uh, the shirt auctions and uh, other initiatives that they engaged in in order to to show their support for uh, the NHS. So it was great to yeah, see the I mean, whole it, sector and public generally, I think, get involved. Absolutely, and yeah, a lot of this work actually goes on in non-COVID times, just without the the, the publicity. But yeah, you know, I, I I know that our players were hugely behind um the refuge program uh and also um the, the captain uh cesar Aspilicueta actually personally funded a number of exercise packs uh for vulnerable groups in easter holidays 
uh, and the players themselves funded um, money towards food banks as well. So, you know, they really were very hands-on and, you know, it was, it was re refreshing to see. It was great to see, but, you know, it just underlines the fact that, you know, in difficult times, different groups can come together and, and work together and the players, the owner, the, the board have just been hugely supportive of, of everything that's going on, you know, and, and that support has gone into the fan base as well. So as, as I said before, raising half a million pounds um, for refuge was was a huge, huge uh, benefit um, to tackle what is a dreadful issue. Yeah, of course. It's great. It's, that's great to see. Um, I think in terms of uh, wider support that is available one thing that we took away from um work we did with the premier league and the efl clubs on and their ccos um we, in, a, in, a, in a range of webinars was was focusing mainly on on the job retention scheme and how that could be applied but also looking at things like contracts and um, the availability of sources of funding so i think for any charities listening who haven't yet um explored it uh, the .gov.uk website is an extremely good source of information for things like that um, particularly the business interruption loan scheme, the Sport England emergency small grant, um, bounce back loan scheme, and also retail, hospitality, and leisure grants. They're all worth uh, uh, looking into, as well as national and regional funds. Um, Organisations like locality.org.uk have a availability of a, a range of funds from blue chip national companies which support projects locally. So it's always worth having a look on there for any funding that you might be able to um, access uh, in your local area of benefit because a lot of them are making those uh, available in response uh, to COVID. I think a lot of it also used to, it opportunities a, a time to plan for next year because as a charity you can hold up to 15 qualifying exempt fundraising events uh, per year. Now, I guess the difficulty is is not knowing, having any visibility as to when you can plan those four. Um, most likely, um, I would imagine quarter three and quarter four maybe of next year are a bit more uh, realistic but what, what plans do you have um, for, uh, for 2021, do you have anything specific in mind by way of projects or activities, or is it a, a continuation and an adaptation of, of what you're currently engaged in? I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, you'll know as, as a trustee that we've actually prepared five different budgets for five different scenarios, you know, from being able to fully deliver uh, from October, being able to deliver at 75% of, of activities, being able to deliver at 50%, being in lockdown, you know, throughout the financial year. So again, I think it's, it's that ability to be slightly flexible. Um, plans for 2021? Well, you know, we're, we've been in a, in a fortunate position where as, as lockdown ended and sport came back, we'd spent um, quite some time developing um, socially distanced coaching sessions. So when we first came back and it was uh, one to six uh, ratios of, of kids to coaches, we developed these um, coaching circles, we called them, whereby uh, the kids could be very socially distant um, and we could actually get back to the face-to-face -face delivery. And that was being supplemented at the time by online delivery as well. And I think what, what it has done is it's given us the opportunity to look at what online delivery we can do in the future. So not every child, not every family is going to be able to come to a, a coaching session or a Chelsea coaching session. And I think what it does give us an insight into how technology can, can help us moving forward. Um, so 
I think moving forward into 2021, we'll be looking at a, a big mixture of, of online coaching as well as face-to-face -face coaching and that online delivery actually going into a lot of our education work as well. I think it's given us that um, comfort level uh, and we know that the standards can remain high um, and also gives you, you know, a really big opportunity to get into schools that are perhaps slightly outside your geographical spread or you know, outside of the, you know, the numbers that we can actually physically deliver to. Um, so, yeah, if we have to take any positives out of what's been a, a dreadful time is, is that ability to use technology. And finally, Simon, considering the added pressures COVID's placed on the business community, what would be your message to businesses reflecting on how they could support the charity sector in 2021, whether it's by way of their CSR commitment or in any other ways? Again, um, I think one of the things that seems to have... Um, did lockdown too and you know the, the whole covid crisis is i think seeing businesses get behind wider csr initiatives um you know i live in, in south london now and you know, a lot of the the local restaurants are doing food deliveries are donating to local food banks and i think that's something that you probably didn't see as much of 12 months ago um so i think there is a, a growing awareness in the business community as well as the wider community of the importance of charities. And I think what, what COVID has done is, is shown you know, how communities can come together, how businesses can work with charities and how importantly charities can work with businesses as well and how there is a, you know, there is a, a greater good that can be delivered. And I think there's a, seems to be a developing understanding of that within the business community that charities are actually quite an important part of, of the local fabric of a community and i think that's a great uh, message to, to end it on so simon it's been great catching up and to hear how the foundation's continued and, and been able to continue to operate uh, during the pandemic uh, i think all that remains is for me to thank you very much for joining us today um to thank you all for listening um i hope you've enjoyed it and, and found it beneficial Thank you. Thank you.